0: A new episode of the brand called You. We have brought some fairly iconic individuals, and today we have Rajiv Karwal, who is quite an experienced and accomplished entrepreneur and professional. Rajiv, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Rajiv. Rajiv is the founder and chairman of Milagro India. Um, He worked for LG, Onidar, Philips, and Electrolux. He's a much recognized individual. Most Powerful CEO Award, 25 Hot Young Stars, Stars of the Millennium, the a and Indian Marketing Person of the Year, President of CEAMA and he's also an author like me of Corporate Blogging in India. Rajiv, fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you. You've been a very successful professional manager and a very successful entrepreneur. Tell us about first the early part of your corporate life.
1: Uh, you see, I started off in 1984 and uh, it was a time when, uh, you know, there were not too many opportunities which used to come for uh, MBAs and you know, professionals. And in fact, I, I was the first one to get placed from my uh, institute, which was the Institute of Management Technology. And uh, the job was from Anand Bazar Patrika for being a space seller. And uh, that, you know, industry was doing well, advertising and marketing. But I never wanted to be a space seller. And, you know, at that time, I did a little bit of reading and I I said, you know, and I think this advice also would be very useful for uh, the students who are passing out, uh, you know, uh, or doing their MBAs and joining the workforce now, is that, you know, I should not get into an industry where there is going to be probably less disruption or the growth is going to be steady. Mm -hmm. So I looked around and I I found that uh, you know, Indira Gandhi had announced uh, or the government of the day had announced in the 5th year, 5th year plan that they'll cover 72% of Indian population with color television, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, signal. And I said, you know, this industry is definitely going to grow and there were so many, you know, brands, uh, Dianora, Celora, Beltec, Uh, you know uh, JKTV and you know uh, thousands of brands and then I started to look around and I found this one small company called Onida which was in a uh, you know DSIDC shed in Okla uh, 750 square feet but when I went inside and I saw the technology which they were bringing from JVC of Japan and I I looked at uh, you know what they were trying to do in terms of building a brand where I could put my skills or, you know, what I had uh, learned from <laughs> Kotler's piece or things like that, you know, to, to use. And I joined that organization. So, so not only an industry which was growing, yeah. uh, but also a company within that industry, which was coming up with
0: disruptive technology and with a long-term intent. So were you behind that famous line, Neighbors, Envy, Owners, pride"? No, I wasn't directly behind it, but
1: yes, I was. That changed uh, one the one face of yeah, Onida. Yeah, yeah. You know, advertising avenues at that point in time, Gautam Rakshet and Gopi Kukre you know, uh, these were the guys who made that campaign and it it took a quite, uh, you know, uh, amount of convincing to our team as well as uh, the head office to, you know, back that uh, strategy and, it worked wonders. You can imagine how powerful yeah. a line it is. I remember it even today. Oh yes, and also the devil, which signified yeah. jealousy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a personification of the, that uh, envy. Correct. And uh, people didn't understand it, but definitely it got us the eyeballs and you know uh, mm-hmm. got us uh, going mm-hmm. in terms of brand building. Yeah. And then you moved to Philips. Uh, no, uh, after Nida, I went abroad. Okay. Uh, for about four years, okay. it was an Indian, uh, you know, transnational. Uh, working in the entire uh, Europe, I was based in Spain and uh, then came back and then uh, joined LG uh, Electronics and uh, LG had entered India two or three times earlier, wasn't really successful. So I was there at LG, it was a successful stint and uh, some of the recognition which you mentioned were actually, uh, you know, from during the LG Stint and then from LG I
0: moved on to Philips. So as you climbed the corporate ladder, what were some of the key challenges? Um, you see,
1: uh, in my first stint, mm-hmm. uh, I was very young, and uh, the organization which I was working for was also very young. It was kind of a startup, and uh, one got to got the opportunity to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, even today, when I look back, you know the the kind of drilling and the kind of hard work which I uh, had to do or the exposure which I got during my first stint is, is where I draw my lessons from sure. or, uh, you know, so one got a lot of uh, opportunity and also uh, got a lot of dedication and empowerment and combined with the ownership mentality which I had at that point in time, I became the professional in the later years, you know, uh, uh, because of the ONIDA opportunity. But within Unida, once it started to grow, uh, you know, I I realized that when external uh, people came, I was very young, I was the first MBA to join, they were above me. The ownership mentality, which I had, made me do certain things, Mm -hmm. which could have rubbed my bosses in the wrong way, you know, because they were, uh, you know, coming from either Murphy or Phillips at that point in time. And they were established organizations and and uh, here was a company, Oneida, you know, which kind of came from behind and stole the, you know, thunder in the color television market. Mm. So, but anyway, ownership is one one aspect amongst professionals which even today, you know, is missing by and large, especially in the junior levels and the middle level and the mid, senior middle level management. Mm-hmm. If we had that in this, in this uh, you know, part of the management that organization would be extremely Mm -hmm. uh, extremely strong and uh, you know as I moved uh, up the ladder you know I realized that uh, for me uh, ethics uh, also was very very important part of uh, uh, management and growing up and ethics not just in the way you do things but also uh, financial moral you know in its entirety and uh, it is it is that uh, realization and uh, you know working on it over a period of time that finally you know
0: made me launch my own venture uh, Milagro in 2007 So let's move on to Milagro mm-hmm. uh, you uh, have developed Milagro into a fairly interesting organization and um, and I see you focused on robotics. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what your focus is. Yeah.
1: You see, uh, okay, I'll take a step back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I left Reliance uh, Digital uh, in 2006, uh, at that time I thought that, you know, I will spend more time in consulting all my learning, you know, I would try to contribute towards the growth of the indian msme sector so 2007 to 2011 we actually focused there and but realized that uh, the noble objectives which you have or you know uh, you know the patriotic uh, feelings which you have or the idealism which you have in you uh, is not really enough to change uh, you know the fortunes in this sector mm. because whether the MSMEs are exploiting the system or they are the exploited. There is a very thin line. Mm-hmm. When it started, who started it, one doesn't know. Mm-hmm. But it's a very big challenge. And uh, the way the Indian industry or the Indian ecosystem is structured, right. it, it is it is very very difficult to say that. So at that point in time, uh, when I was not really getting the, the satisfaction, I decided that, okay, I'm by nature someone who would like to have excellence in execution mm-hmm. i am by nature uh, you know and a person who would not like to cut corners to to grow so which is the industry uh, which will give me that opportunity and satisfaction uh, of self realization uh, or actualization uh, also so I, I identified robots because all the software development which is happening, whether it is AI or deep learning or AR or IoT, uh, virtual reality, uh, everything can be showcased the best in a robotic body, which moves around like a human being. Okay. A smart television is static. It is, you know, put in a particular place yeah. and it is like a tree. Tree is also a living being, but the moment you ask a tree to move, it will be it will be impossible for it to move. Same way, it is the smart television. So, you know, and the mobile which you find in your pocket is actually a baby in your lap. A robot is an individual which has started to walk and slowly will grow and the technology will also grow. And when I looked around myself, you know, I found that there's hardly any worldwide brand in robotics and robotics is something which will actually enter into every aspect of our uh, you know uh, living and it's an industry which has a growth potential for the next hundred years and I said when I looked around and I said you know okay maybe an LG, Samsung, Philips also at certain point in time would have started very small but they had a very you know good runway which was visible to them so robotics is one thing which I identified which where I could do things with the value system which I wanted to follow And which gave me, you know, even sometimes I grow slow in two years. If Even if I have to, you know, rebuild uh, something which I have not built in a proper way, it doesn't matter. So it gave you a chance to experiment, rebuild, build
0: until the time you got it correct and then, you know, grow in a faster way. And, you know, just to take up from what you just commented about ethics Mm -hmm. in business and about the need for excellence. Yeah. I'm sure robots have no issue on ethics and no issues (laughs) on not doing something excellently every time. (laughs) You see, there is so much
1: which is happening on on the robotics field that, you know, the industrial workers and the industry 4.0, which we talk about, you know, of course they will not require to eat. They will not require, uh, you know, a sick leave or things like that. And the productivity will go up, but there is already, uh, you know, a growing movement across the globe where, they're they're saying and right right rightly so that if a robot is taking a human job right and is performing the human tasks and if the humans were held accountable to the performance so so should be the robot held uh, you know uh, to its performance and should be accountable for good performance bad performance really okay. and 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 you know robots as they also enter into the domain of uh, expressions and deep learning and other cognitive abilities would start to imitate the actions of humans and that is where you know the a robot as a citizen would the constitution recognize them as citizens and how this thing will develop over the next you know, few decades is together. something which we will all watch. But so you, there has been interesting movies in the in you yeah, fascinating.
0: Yeah, because yeah. About Three or four months ago, I got an opportunity to interact with the famous Sophie the robot. Yeah, you know? okay. She was visiting Delhi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got a chance to chat with her. Yes, yes. And she's lifelike. I think she has just been given citizenship of South Korea. I can't remember <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I remember someone asked her Saudi Arabia, Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, someone asked her the question that what shouldn't we do with you? And she yeah. said, just keep me away from water. <laughs> that was the only thing she said. Yeah,
1: yeah. You see, uh, okay, the, those are, I, I would say still, it, it's, it, the development is in its infancy. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it's basically recalling what is fed at the back end, you know, and then giving you uh, responses. But, uh, it is, it is the empathy, you know, and I wrote about it uh, last week, uh, that, empathy and compassion uh, compassion can also be kind of imitated with certain patterns but empathy is a feeling which is which is human mm-hmm. what am i saying if there is a tear which is swelling up inside me which is still not reached my eyes is something which you will be able to understand as a human mm-hmm. and a robot will find it almost impossible to to uh, you know uh, replicate that that feeling inside which is making it here swell up I think there will be the biggest challenge of uh, robotics to become almost like human so I, I I said that you know that robots can almost be like human but never be completely human correct and neither can humans be
0: completely like robots they can attempt to be robots but for short periods of time so, Uh, What is happening with robotics in India? I mean, are these getting more accepted in industry or is there a pushback in terms of robots will take over my job? Okay. Uh, So two parts.
1: One is the acceptance by the ordinary, uh, you know, individuals in their residences. Second is by the industry. And maybe let's add the third dimension, which is the government and how it is uh, seen. Hmm. Uh, in the So, what we did was, when we entered into this space, we said, you know, the easiest and also the biggest market which will emerge is the domestic chores. So, we identified, you know, the floor cleaning, the window cleaning and for high net worth individuals, also the swimming pool cleaning and the lawn mowing robotic category. And later on, we all added a body massaging robot for the lower back for the Indian women. And we found that in the floor space, we had the biggest uh, takers because this is something which, is, which nobody wants to do. Even the maid to bend, you know, and still she will not be able to enter into every nook and corner of the home, under the bed, under the sofa, etc. So floor cleaning got the biggest acceptance window cleaning in the high apartment, high-rise buildings, etc. got got good acceptance. But 95-98% of the market is in the top 10 cities and also it is the nuclear families as well as the senior citizens who are adopting these products. In the industry per se, our first and the biggest successes have been with the hospitality industry and the facility management industry. So, hospitality industry, you know, immediately is able to save, say, about 30% manpower on housekeeping, 70 to 80% manpower on lawn and, you know. uh, So, even robots are now going
0: and making beds? Uh, No, not making the beds.
1: But uh, if a housekeeper enters into a room, 30% of the time is taken for floor cleaning. So, the moment she enters, you know, she puts the floor robot. It shows on on, on, on a mobile or his mobile. Okay, it has cleaned every area. Okay, one, two areas because of obstruction it has not been able to go. Okay, that can be cleaned up very well and in the meanwhile that person is able to do the beds and the bathroom and the crockery and mm. sofa mm. or the table settings and, and things like that. Yes. so it's a straight 30% saving yes. so now you know uh, this year we are entering into the healthcare as well as the industrial uh, segment government unfortunately Ashutosh uh, you know like in many other industries is uh, very averse to promoting uh, the robots the moment you talk about them or even you talk to the industry associations, they say, okay, let's call it smart uh, manufacturing, mm-hmm. but let's not call it automation or robots because the impression which goes is that it will, you know, make the people lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. So till the time, you know, uh, we do not think as a nation, uh, the possibility of the robots actually improving our competitiveness, uh, these industries will uh, languish. Look at Germany. If Germany today is getting back its competitiveness, it is because of the robots. China is realizing that Germany will get back its competitiveness until and unless they also uh, do the robotics, has 10 years tax holiday. The way they are linking the university ideas, university professors, university labs to MSMEs and to the final go to market is amazing. And, and they will protect their competitiveness. They want to be the hardware manufacturing, you know, factory of the world. And that is the way. So they are destroying their current jobs to create new jobs and to retain their competitiveness. Until and unless India also looks at these industries in that particular way. And we have competent bureaucrats as well as competent, you know, ministers who are ruling, uh, you know, the, this domain. You don't, you
0: will not find. So I was watching a video recently talking of China, where this friend of mine was and he had ordered room service. Yeah. And the entire uh, order was delivered by a robot. Yes. Yes. And you know, he opened his door and there was a robot standing there. Yes. And 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 he picked up whatever he had to and the robot
1: uh, went away. Yeah. And it's it's not a very difficult technology to dominate. It's, you know. I'm sure you can do that, that here. Yes. We are doing it. This year we'll do it. So we already have about 250 odd installations for our, you know, various robots
0: across across the hospitality segment. So it's happening. Hmm. Wonderful. I mean, <laughs> imagine walking into a hotel here and yeah, yeah. calling room service and a machine brings yes. all your food. Yes, yes, yes. No, last
1: year we had uh, an
0: experiment with a very
1: large uh, Indian hotel chain where they wanted to have the reception completely manned by, uh, you know, a humanoid. And maybe certain aspects which they wanted us to uh, do were not possible because of the technology limitations you see even today smartphones have done so much but battery is still a limitation Mm. so if you want to do a lot of things in a humanoid the battery will make it much bigger and bigger because every kind of processing requires the energy dissipation of the battery correct right so uh, but uh, we I'm, I'm, you know, it finally did not see the light of the day right. there, but we, we were able to develop a lot of things for them.
0: So, a, a related question, you know, these are machines. Yeah. How do you handle after sale service? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> are you going to be setting up a big uh, network of service centers or, yeah. or will you have a robot coming and servicing my robot? <laughs> no, you see,
1: uh, see, what has happened is that after sale service, in India is a big, big issue, right? And uh, the in, neither is the Indian consumer wanting to give up on service or after, after sales care and say it is use and throw, even the millennials, or, you know, neither are the after sales service providers scaling up to provide that service. Mm. For companies to have offices all across uh, the the country, India is a vast, vast, uh, you know, geographical uh, landscape. So it is very difficult so what we have done is we have enabled our engineers technologically we do not do uh, you know the chip level repairs or whatever at the customer's place we have tied up with uh, you know fedex for example to pick up and drop and give standby so that the customer things do not suffer outsourcing we have found it very very difficult because of the high technology uh, you know involved and uh, you know it's like a poor hospital that somebody goes with a influenza but comes back with a kidney mm-hmm. you know affected mm-hmm. you know so so we have Correct. retained the service but uh, if need be we fly our people uh, you know we place them in such a way that within 24 hours we should be able to reach our customers so one last
0: question on robots before we move on sure. uh, when is it going to happen where the robots will take over all, all our lives and one fine day robots will rule the world Never going to happen. Never Never going to happen. As I
1: I, as I told you, I think empathy is uh, something which, although I've been very involved and I, I research and I read about all the developments very very carefully, I don't think the robots will ever be able to master empathy. And I personally believe that even till today, science has not fully understood the entire networks. You know, and the uh, neural networks which are there in our our brains, in in our brain. And uh, so it will be very, very uh, difficult. The ultimate world will be, uh, you know, with the human beings and probably the supreme power. (laughs)
0: Fantastic. So, moving on uh, to some questions about you personally. Yeah. You know, successful professional, successful entrepreneur, cutting edge technology with robotics, artificial intelligence. What is the secret of your success? Uh, you see, uh,
1: okay, so I'll give you an incident which happened. Uh, I was just out of my uh, graduation and I'd given all the examinations uh, for MBA. My father was in the Air Force. My mother never wanted me to go back, go into the defense because she had seen the 62 war and the 65 war and the 71 war my mother wanted me to become a doctor i never wanted to become a doctor and i said i'll you know go into business and become a professional and as luck would have it I, I had gone to the college to get my character character certificate met with an accident was on my was on bed for almost 3 months couldn't move had a had a fracture in my lumbar vertebra and all the opportunities vanished and in the end it was only IMT which was not even recognized as equivalent to MBA and all XLRIs, universities, you know, IM and and Al Bajaj, all opportunities gone. It was during that point in time that I used to think that I'll be left behind, you know, and what will I do? All my friends will go ahead and at, at that point in time, the kind of books which I read and the kind of person I became was that irrespective of you know, the starting point, or irrespective of what life delivers to you, with your hard work, there is no replacement to hard work, uh, You can overcome. Uh, and then, you know, when I got, uh, you know, I came out of my MBA, uh, three semesters out of four, we didn't have a marketing professor. It was a new institute. And uh, I like marketing. You know and uh, it didn't matter mm-hmm. and uh, that is how I gave you the example of you know an yeah. and and you know so hard work is something which uh, you know has stood out for me as irreplaceable yeah second is that uh, honesty truthfulness and wearing mm-hmm. everything on your sleeve what you are a simple thing. Nobody at that point, and set point of time wanted to admit that we are from IMT. Yeah. I've always owned IMT on IMT. Nobody wanted to talk about XYZ of their weaknesses. I said, I'm I'm a human being. I'm vulnerable. It doesn't matter. You know, I may make mistakes, but I learn from Correct. those mistakes and the ownership mindset in everything which I do. I think, the, and empathy, you know, I can't over overemphasize uh, that aspect. And uh, it was... For that, that actually the book Corporate Blogging, uh, you know, came about because as I rose up the ranks, I realized that I was losing touch with the people at the first rung of my organization. And since there was a hierarchy, okay, I used to have lunches, you know, once in a month, okay, I want to meet the younger guys who are joining the organization, but that was limited. So I started to blog basically to get my point of view across to the younger professionals, you know, and pass on my learnings and uh, you know so I think basically what has what has made me what I am is that okay learning is not personal if you can share it let's share it and make India
0: a better place not just India tell tell us a little bit about the book corporate blogging Uh, okay so this was some of your own writings to your colleagues or Uh, no
1: this was basically about uh, a trend which was uh, emerging at that point in time, and this was much before uh, you know the F- Facebooks and Twitters and you know the, yeah. the Instagrams of the world had actually revolutionized, and it was a way to communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a way to you know change uh, uh, the mm-hmm. the management uh, or the you know the life principles by which uh, societies live. So I ha- I was I had started to blog, uh, you know. Uh, Uh, Sanjeev Bhikshandani was blogging at that point in time. So our two blogs were the most popular blogs at that point in time. So that book was written at a point, I think, 2007 or 2008, something like that, basically to encourage more blogging in India uh, for the people who can change societies. Mm. Role models in our society are missing. And... Even if people are there in very important positions uh, today, you know, when we look at them, we realize that, okay, this is a blind spot or this is something which may not be an honest uh, side of this person. So if we can uh, bring out the role models from every aspect of society and they started to, they start to blog and contribute to the society, nothing better than that. So that book was basically with that intention. Interesting.
0: So a question that I ask all my guests uh, and therefore I'm going to ask you this as well. Tell us a little bit about uh, your learnings from your failures. Uh,
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, You see, every person has his own personality. Correct. Uh, So there may be many good things, but there are, you know, some bad things also, uh, which come into a person's behaviour or, uh, you know, way of working because of the success which that person enjoys. So, as I achieved success, I started to take my instincts for granted. I started to believe that I know uh, things probably better uh, than others. And then, you know, when I realised that, okay, it may not be the case, by, you know, certain failures of certain initiatives or by certain feedback, which I got. Then I actually started to talk about it. I started to admit it in front of the people that, yes, I may not be right all the time. Of course, I am a a very uh, competitive leader that way. That if suppose my product manager will come back and say, okay, this is the thing. I will say, okay, I will also invest in my knowledge and I will challenge you mm. next time. Basically, because a leader is supposed to find better ways. A leader is supposed to demand excellence from his or her subordinates. Correct. So, because of that, but it it is not that a leader should know everything what, what a pers- the other person at a slightly lesser uh, hierarchical level uh, should know. Because that it is, it, it is that person's job. Correct. So, you know, that is how I started to uh, you know remove that chink which had come in that okay I know better than you because I am at a higher position than you so we cannot so we cannot to- so now I don't take anything for granted okay. even the lines of my hand you know every day I see once it's Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. So my last
0: question to yeah you. Um, you know given all the experience and you've shared a lot with us today what would your advice be to a young startup entrepreneur or a young manager starting off his or her corporate career. See, the only advice which I can give is uh,
1: never get discouraged very quickly. Right? An organization does not fail us. We fail organizations. An idea doesn't fail us. We fail ideas. So if we have joined an organization as a young manager, we would have done basic research about that organization and if that organization is successful and if there are so many people in that organization who are successful why is it that we are not successful or we are you know saying that okay this is not the place for me Mm -hmm. maybe i made the wrong choice if made the wrong choice realize it discuss about it find a better way if we are doing something wrong sometimes we, we may believe that okay i will i know better than my boss even then organization will not Recognize it until unless you become an insider and then say, okay, this is what we are doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Same thing is for entrepreneurs. We may We may pass through valleys of death, right? We should not give up Because if the idea was sound to start with Right, then we are doing something wrong to realize that. idea. Right? Of course, if the idea had a lesser market potential, we should analyze there are so many examples which are there in this world where you can pivot the idea. Correct. You can change the idea. You can course correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Nothing goes uh, a waste. An entrepreneur's journey, even if the first venture was a failure, is priceless. It it is it is much more valuable than mediocre successes, which you know certain professionals will Absolutely. achieve or some small-time entrepreneurs will achieve. That's so true. we have we have to. Have faith in ourselves, our ideas, and our organizations.
0: Wonderful. Rajiv, thank you very much. I think I have learned so much about robotics today. And I'm sure our audience would have learned a lot about robotics. And of course, your life, you've been very, very candid. You've been very frank. Um, I wish you lots of success. And I sincerely hope Mila continues to grow in the field of robotics. Thank Thank you again. Thank you, Ashindosh. It has been a big
1: pleasure to
0: share my journey and uh, certain insights. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening to the Brand Called You podcast. Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply search for The Brand Called You. Thank you and see you next week.